first. First Corinthians one twenty one. it says, For since the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased. In other words, what he's saying is, since uh, we didn't get to place a breakthrough on our own, God was well pleased to give us, get us to that place another way. And what is the way that we're talking about? He says, in other words, and let me just ask this question. Can you get to where you need to go just by yourself or do you need God? We need God. We need Him. We need His ways. We need what He brings to the table. And we're not going to get there any other way. You know, your job's not going to get you there, right? Your family, I don't care how wealthy they may be, they're not going to get you to the place where you need to be. It's not going to come through natural means. If you get to the place where you need to be, it's going to come because of God and because of His ways. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Through the foolishness of the message preached. Uh, the King James says it like this. The foolishness of preaching. Yes. To save those. Now when he says save those, he's not, when you understand the full context of the word, he's not just talking about going to heaven here. He's talking about because God doesn't just save in one area and not in another. He's talking about saving us in every area. In other words, let's say that you need saving in your finances. Well, guess where? How does that come? Leaving this scripture up there. How does that come? That saving in your finances comes through the foolishness of a message preached. That's how saving will come. What if you need saving in your body, like you need healing in your body or in your mind? Or you know, if you need healing in your family, how is that saving going to come? This is a way of God. Remember what we just said a few minutes ago is that we're not going to get to the place that we need on our own. We need God's ways and we need what He does. In other words, what I need is I need a word. I need a word. If I want saving to come to me and my house, I need a word preached. And then I need to believe in that word. This is a way of God when you look at it. Since the wisdom, in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So right now, no matter what it is that you're facing, you need saving in. One of the things that will happen is as I preach this message today in the foolishness. See, the world would look at preaching and say, well, that's just silly. That's just foolishness. But it's a time for the church to get a hold of the nuggets that God has laid out for them. And, he's, and we will say, look, yeah. in that foolishness of a message preached, yeah. my salvation's in that yeah. thing. My salvation's in that message. My salvation's in one word. I can get one word, everything changed. Today is that kind of message. Amen? Amen. Today is that kind of message. I want you to see something before we jump into the message. Uh, I've done this a couple of times. But uh, uh, you, you may know and heard of uh, Joel Osteen. You know, he's just a small preacher in Texas. Um, but uh, he said, <laughs> you know, he, he, he's got a couple of people at this church. And uh, anyway, he, he does something in front of each one of his messages in front of each one of his sermons 
and he does something, this is my Bible, right? And uh, then, but what a lot of people don't realize is that he did that, uh, it didn't start with Joel, it started with his dad, John, who was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was a powerful man in the kingdom of God. And his father started that, and Joel just continued in it. Well, a few weeks ago, the Lord just led me. I, it kept coming up in my spirit, coming up in my spirit, that we needed to declare like that. We needed to declare some of the things that they declare. And, and why reinvent the wheel? What he got is it's the word, it's the Bible. So I want us to just stand up, grab your Bible, stand up. And what we're saying is, look, I'm going to get something through the foolishness of preaching today. I'm going to receive what I need. You know, I'm going to receive what I need. How many people, that's you, I need something today? What if, what if everything's going great? What if everything's going great in your life? Do you still need something? Yes. Yeah, you need to grow, increase. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature or maturity and favor with God and men. So even if everything's going your way, right, we still need to increase. What happened with the parable of the talents? He gave, you know, one of the people had plenty of talents, but he's, he was happy because they took and they increased. God's not socialist. Right? He actually does believe in hard work and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So even if everything's going well, we all need to increase. Why? Because increase is available through Jesus Christ. And we're not going to leave that seed of the body of Christ planted in the ground. We're going to let it produce fruit in us. Amen? So let's just say this. Just hold your Bible up say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, Ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, why is that important? Well, it goes along. It's funny how things, I didn't know what songs we were singing today, but what did you notice about the songs singing? Every single one of them was about freedom. It was about breaking off bondages. And, and that's happening already. You might not can feel it. You might not can see it. But even as we speak, spiritually speaking, those chains are being broken today. Even if you didn't praise, you're around a people and a group that praise. And, and the praise of the, your neighbors is important to you. The praise of your neighbor is important to you. What kind of people are you hanging about? The kind of people like Paul and Silas where their praise set the other captives free around them? The praise, you want to be around some people that know how to praise God. Not only that, we want to become the people that know how to praise God, right? We want to become those people. And we want that, why? Why do we want to do that? So that we will start, we might have been in a low. And you know, how many of us have ever been in a low? My goodness, I have. Plenty of times. More often than I want to tell you. More recent than I want to tell you sometimes, you know? And, and, and why? Because am I some super person because I'm past? No, I'm just a human just like everybody else. And the devil comes, he tries to attack, and I've got to deal with it just like you. 
Now the point of this church is to say, hey, we're learning in some things so that we will grow up and so that we will come out of those lows, stay out of those lows, and keep going up. Keep being a bright and shining light for all of the people that are around us, that we will walk out the victory. This is, you know, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And it says without faith, the Bible says in Romans, without faith it's impossible to please God. That means that God is always wanting us to apply faith. And if we're applying faith, we will always be overcomers of the world. Right? And also mean uh, uh, first or 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be unto God who's always leading us to triumph, who's always leading us to victory. Right? Now see, you got to understand that God at no point is leading you to defeat. Never. He's always leading us to triumph. He's always leading us to victory when you see that verse. Once you start to understand that, you, start, you stop believing the lie that sometimes I just go through this. No, that's a lie. That, that is actually coming against, exactly coming against what God said that he's always leading you to triumph. You may have some things that you're building, some foundational times, but he is never leading you to defeat. When you start to realize that, and that becomes real to you, when the devil tries to bring the lie to you and say, well, sometimes I just feel this way. Well, then when he starts to bring that lie to you, you'll be like, no, 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 no. That is not what the Bible says. I may feel like that sometimes, but I'm not led by my feelings. I'm led by the Spirit of God. And so I want to ask you this question as we jump in today. What are you capable of? What's your potential? What's your potential? That's good. She said, whatever you believe. What's your potential? Well, let's just talk about that for a second. First of all, you're made in the image and likeness of God. How big is that? Whew. How do you even define that? I mean, if I've got Luke out here, right? Luke is made in Nicole and I's image, so to speak, right? And the likeness. Is, can Luke grow up to be as big and strong and powerful as me? Now, he'll never be me, but what's his capability? What's his potential? You remember the guy, uh, you remember the demoniac in the, the Gadarene demoniac when Jesus, they were on the boat? And Jesus steps on the shore, and about that time the demoniac comes, and, and he says, What did you have to do with us, Jesus? He's filled with devils. He's filled with demons, right? And he walks up, and uh, did you come to torment us before it's time? And then he says, you know, you hush up, you got to come out of him. And before that he says, we are a legion because we are many, right? So the man was possessed with a legion of devils. Do you know how much a Roman legion was? Six thousand. How many demons, and we're talking about spiritual entities, were in that one man's spirit? 6,000. How big is your spirit, man? Whew. I mean, that's on the negative side. But imagine what you were created to be in the image and likeness of God. 
Imagine what you can do. You're made in his image and likeness. See, it's only the devil that's come in and he started to really water that stuff down. And because if you don't believe that you're made in his image and likeness, if you believe you're made in the image and likeness of a monkey, so he's attacked it at several different ways. You believe in that. You think you're not, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You know, uh, All of a sudden what happens is your faith to do the things God's called you to do will start to diminish. But when you start to see what you're actually capable of and what you're, how you're created, you'll start to see, wait a minute, what I've been doing is not living up to par with how I'm created to live. And you'll start to, you'll start to want and desire and hunger for the supernatural things of God. Matter of fact, you've heard me say it multiple times, our society today is actually doing that right now. They are hungering for the supernatural. It's why you're seeing all these superhero movies and all this other stuff and, and twilights and you know werewolves and vampires and all that kind of stuff. Why? They're looking for something supernatural and here's the thing, the church hasn't given it to them, although it's all in here better than it ever can be before. Right? Every bit of the supernatural power of God's right in here. But the church has shied away from the power of God. They've shied away from who they are. Because why? When you start preaching that message, it causes people to be convicted, to change what they're doing. It also, uh, there's a religion that teaches you that in order to be humble, I have to be as dirty, filthy rags. That's not true. That's who I was before I received Christ. After I received Christ, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And any believer, say I'm a believer if you are. If you're a believer, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the devil is constantly working to belittle who you are, how you were created to be, and what you're called to do so that you won't believe it when God speaks it to you. You won't believe how big and powerful you can be, not on your own, but through Jesus. But if we start to go into this word and see who we are and see what we're created to be, we start to see I'm made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. What is my capacity? What am, what's available to me? You start to realize that we're, we've barely begun to scratch the surface of who God's called us to be. You know, I'm not just talking to adults, kids. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Youth, I'm talking to you. See, youth will believe it quicker than adults will many times because of that childlike faith. They'll say, yeah, I'll just, I'll just believe. Matter of fact, uh, this week I was at the retirement homes and I was telling a story about how I stepped into a meeting. My dad, when he was pastor in a church in Greensboro, there was a guy came and uh, we were sitting about where Paul is. And at the end, he was talking about signs and wonders and miracles. And he had the uh, people come up and sit on the chair, put their back against the chair and hold their legs up. And then they'd, they'd see if one leg was longer than the other. Because, you know, if one leg's longer or long, one leg's shorter, you, know, you, you walk funny. You're always adjusting to that. It'll cause you back problems, all kinds of stuff. But you can get the, the right uh, length. All of a sudden, things will straighten out and they'll be like God created it to be. And so he was praying for those legs to grow, right? And I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. 
I like that. I want to see that. So, you know, he's praying for people and all the people around him. I'm like this as a kid. I'm like, I'm like, I want to watch, you know. And sure enough, they sit somebody down and the leg, I forget exactly, it was somewhere within an inch or so, half inch to an inch longer. And he prayed, Jesus, just let your love heal this man. Leg grow now. And sure enough, that thing just grew right out, right in front of everybody's eyes. And I, here I am, I'm like, you know, 10, 11, 12, something like that. And I was like, dang. <laughs> wow like I don't know that I'd ever seen anything like right in front of my eyes like that where the power of God you know just did something I saw it again a year or so ago somebody was praying for that and uh, but I just here's the thing as a kid I'm 11 12 something like that 10 11 12 somewhere in there I thought well if he can pray that I can pray that now see, adults many times will start to reason. What is it that really caused the fall of man in the garden? Reason. We started to logic it out. Well, yeah, yeah, and we started listening to the reason that the devil brought. It's an enemy of faith. We have to understand that. Reason can be an enemy of faith. And we have to get out of reason because the Bible says this. It's not that you don't need a, a good mind and that he won't give you a good mind. It's this, the things of God are not reasoned and, and discerned. They're spiritually discerned. That's what the Bible says. They are spiritually discerned. So you're not going to discern the things of God through the logic of men. That's what he said in that verse we read a few minutes ago. It, the world didn't fix itself by the world's ways, by the world's reason, by the world's logic. That's the kind of stuff it's talking about. It, it fit, got fixed through the foolishness of preaching. In other words, that doesn't even make sense. And yet, here I am and it works. So as, a, as an adult, we'll see that and be like, well, that man's anointed to pray that way, but I could never pray that way. No, that's a lie. If you're born again, you're made in the image and likeness of God. You have a capacity. And Jesus said it like this. They'll do these works and greater. They'll do these works and greater. They'll do these works and greater. Jesus said, I'm the firstborn of many brethren. I'm the firstborn. In other words, at the very least, the things that you saw Jesus do, you can believe God to do those too. That's, that's, see, reason would tell you, no, I can't, but childlike faith would say, yes, I can. And as a child, I saw that at 10 or 11, and I said, man, I can pray that too. And so I gathered all the kids. I said, hey, kids, come on. And this was after service. You know, everybody's hanging around talking to the man of God and, and, uh, who preached. And I'm like, kids, come on with me. So we go back to the back Sunday school room, and I started. I did what he did. I had them sit down. I looked at their feet. No, he's fine. Yeah, I looked at their feet. No, they're fine. Looked at their feet. No, and I looked at their feet. Sure enough, there was a kid whose leg was shorter than the other. I'm like adjusting, making sure they're square in the chair, you know, and everything. Nope, sure enough, he's shorter. Well, Jesus, in Jesus' name, grow. What happened? Just like that. I'm 11 or 12. Why does that work for me? Because I'm special? No. Because I have a capacity. I have a capacity. Why am, why am I asking this question today? Because we're talking today about the fire of God. And our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire means that he will burn up anything that's not of him. He will burn up anything that's not of him. That means, uh, George, will you come here? That means if, if 
there's a person sitting there and they will subject themselves to the fire of God. Let's say I'm the father full of fire and George, George is a believer and he says, I'm going to subject myself to the fire of God. Well, our God is a consuming fire and when he decides to come close and into the presence of God, listen, the fire of God is going to start to burn up anything not that's godly, anything that's not godly. And when you burn up everything that's not godly, what does it leave? Just godly. So then where does the capacity go? It goes from a limited person with the corruption of sin in them to burning up all of that stuff, giving their lives to God, all of a sudden you open up the capacity to walk, talk, and act like God. The reason I'm talking about capacity and potential is because once you start to understand that, you see that if I will give myself to the fire of God, if I will let God start to burn out of my life the things that I have allowed in there, if he will start to burn them out, it will open up my capacity and I can be who he's called me to be. Not only that, but I start to speak and things happen in my home, in my marriage, in my family. Things happen for my children. Things happen in my church. Things happen in my business. And it's not... Because I'm not going to be speaking. If I've let the fire of God do its job, I'm not going to be speaking out, oh yeah, just give me a Lamborghini. Just give, you know, give me this, give me that, Lord. No, no, no. I'm going to speak. I mean, you're going to be like what Jesus did. You're going to say, I'm only going to do what I see the Father do, and I'm only going to say what I hear the Father say. Because that's what the fire does. It purifies. It cleanses. It starts to purify our prayers. It purifies our heart. It purifies our action. It takes us to another level. It takes us to the place where we start literally acting, talking, walking, thinking like our Father. But it doesn't happen if we don't subject ourselves to a consuming fire of God. Thank you. It doesn't happen if we don't do those things. Let's turn to Revelation 3 and verse 15. Revelation 3. What's your capacity? Well, it may have been limited up till this point, but when you subject yourself to the fire of God, everything changes. I want you to see this. Revelation 3 and verse 15. Jesus is saying this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. Now, a lot of times we think about it like this. I know I did for years. It's like hot's good, cold's bad, lukewarm is middle, right? But that's not what he's saying. He's saying in, in order of priority, hot is where I want you to be, but I'd rather you be cold than be lukewarm. And what's the thing about lukewarm? And watch this, he says in verse 16. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. That's a nice way to say it. In other words, this is how it really probably means it in there. I'll throw you up. Yeah. Well, that's gross. I know. That's where we are if we don't pay attention to this. God says, look, I don't want you at that place. I want you hot or cold. Why? Here's, here's the reason why. Hot or cold brings you to a decision point. Think, think tub of water. Scalding hot. It brings you to a decision point. 
If you jump in and it's really hot, you're going to make a decision real quick to stay in there or not. You're going to be generally jumping out. Well, think about if it's ice cold. It's going to bring you to a decision point. Hot or cold brings you to a decision point. So think about that in terms of the kingdom. The fire of God, does it look logical to man? No, it doesn't look logical to man. Does praising when you feel like you're beat up, does that make sense to man? No, but that's the fire of God coming out in the right way. What does it do? It brings people to a decision point. Do I want to be a fanatic for God? Do I want to go after him with everything I have? It brings them to a decision point. Now, it does some other things that we'll talk about in a minute. But if, if I'm hot for God, it brings people to a decision point. This whole gospel, this whole book, is about bringing people to the place where they make a choice. It's about bringing people to a place where they make a choice. So he says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Think about the, the bath water, ice cold bath water, right? Ice cold. You, you got to make a choice. Think about that in terms of the kingdom. You got somebody who's not on fire for God. Matter of fact, they're very much against it. They're ice cold. You know, they, they might be worshiping the devil or something like that. They're so, they're so angry, so upset. They're, 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 they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They're cold. It's easy for somebody to see that and say, I don't want that. I don't know that I want God yet. And, you know, the world may say, I don't know that I want God yet, but I don't want that. Right? It's easy for people to make a decision when somebody's hot or cold. But this is what the Lord says, this is dangerous. And let me show you this. This is actually doing the devil's work for them when you're lukewarm. Think about that bath water that's just right. And you just jump in there so easily and it feels good. And you can just sit there and hang out and hang out and hang out. Think about this. What happens after about 15 minutes, 30 minutes? Little by little by little, the water leads to cold. And all of a sudden you find yourself cold as cold can be towards the things of God. And you wonder how I got here. Well, I was going to a church that I was so comfortable in. I was so comfortable in. And now you're cold and you wonder why. You're doing the work, the, the work of the devil for him when you're lukewarm. We are called to be hot and on fire for God. It's not, this is not something that we should see as optional. This is something that says, if he's my Lord, if he's my Savior, I need to be on fire for him. It is the only option I give myself. He gave me a choice. Be hot, be cold, be lukewarm. He gave me a choice. But because his heart is on fire, then I'm going to make my heart on fire. And I'm going to go after him with everything that I have. In other words, God gave me a choice. He gave me the option to choose him or not, to love him or not. But I'm not going to allow myself the option. In love, I'm going to choose that there is no other option but to be on fire for God. Amen. To be on fire for him. Let's, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. He is a purifying fire. You start to realize this, that if I give myself to the fire of God and God starts to burn out every piece that's not of him, there's nothing left that is a part of the curse. Because if I'm filled up with the goodness of God, there's no curse in him. Yeah. 
There's no curse. There's no lack. The problems that I've been having is not that God's not willing to fix it. The problems that I've been having is I've allowed things in my life that are not of Him. So simply, if I just get out of me what is not of Him, those things start to correct themselves. All I've got to do is get into God and stay there. If you think about it, like you know, the situation that I had earlier, George, come on back up here. Just stand over there. If you understand like this, you know, if, I'm, if I'm the Father and if I'm God and I'm, I'm over here and I'm on fire... George can be in my family, but that doesn't mean that he hangs out on a regular basis. But if he decides, I'm going to get inside of the fire of God. I'm going to make a conscious decision to be hot for God, to be on fire. I know that it's going to burn up some of my mess, but I know that my problems start getting solved just like that. I know that I increase my capacity when I let go of the weight of sin in my life, when I let go of the weight of corruption. See, every person has that choice where they can say, look, I'm going to go and get in the presence of God. I'm going to go and I'm going to subject myself to that but see as it as it is this society like man you just cross their comfort zone the least little bit and they're like no I'm not going back to that church because they're not interested in the things of God they're interested in their things that's a corrupted mindset that's holding you back from the real solutions that God has for you you know you've heard me say it before but the 12 o'clock hour was one of those you know, you, you go past 12 o'clock and people in America start flipping out, right? I mean, it's like, what in the world? I can't believe he's preaching past 12. What, what is wrong with him? What's wrong with him is he's more concerned about the things of God than he is about the roast. I don't plan a roast on Sunday. I plan to serve the Lord. I don't plan anything there. I plan to give myself to God for as long as he wants me to be there. And when we as a people get our heart in that place, what we're saying is I'm going to come from that place to this place. And when that person starts to come closer, all of a sudden the things that are in their life that's not of God, it starts to burn. It starts to burn. It starts to burn. But what happens is the curse that's associated with those places starts to burn too. It starts to burn. Think about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and a let me go, and Abednego. Um, think about these guys. You know, here they are. They're thrown in the fire. What's the only thing? When their heart was given to go into God and they were willing to put their lives on the line, Revelation says that they were overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives to the death. When people get to that place of heat, that place of fire, and they step into the presence of God, the only thing that burnt off of them were the chains of bondage and they walked out free. Not even the hint of smoke, just the purity of the fire of God. But it's a decision. God's, okay, go back over there. God's being God. God's always God. God's always the consuming fire. So how come more Christians aren't on fire and heated up? Because we've decided I'm going to stay over here. I'm not, that, that looks crazy. They've decided, no, that looks foolish. God says, yeah, it's that foolishness 
that brings salvation, that will save you in whatever area you need saving from. In other words, what we really have to make the decision is, do I trust you, Lord, as much as I say I do? That's the decision we have to make. Do I trust you enough? Well, people might think that I'm crazy and I've lost it. Oh, no, not probably. They will think that you, <laughs> they, they will. Not probably, they will. The question is, is God worth that to you? You were worth it to him. The question is, is he worth it to you? And that's really the decision. If God is a consuming fire and it's that simple, I just get in his presence and the things that are causing lack and curse just burn up. How come more people aren't walking in that power and walking in that fire? Because we've made a, a decision, conscious or unconscious, we've made a decision. I don't want to get that close to God. Thank you. Look at this in, in Hebrews 12. Verse 28 and 29. Now, he's talking here about a kingdom that we have as an inheritance. He's talking about all these good things that God has given us. And then see what he says here. He says in verse 28, Therefore, since we, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. In other words, one of the things he's talking about is all the things you can see, they can be upset. They can be changed. But we have a kingdom that will not be shaken. We have a foundation. We have a promise that won't shake. Let me tell you something. If you feel like your life is shaking, it's not God that's shaking. It's not his kingdom that's shaking. It's the things that are not of God that's shaking. So anytime you feel the instability or the instability of your life, it's not God that's unstable. It's the instability of other choices or things that we've allowed in our life that's now being shaken. So what that should tell us is the moment that we start to feel like things are shaken, there's something that I'm missing in my walk with God. And what's the solution? Let me step more into the presence of an all-consuming fire. He says this, since we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. In other words, let us then, because we have a kingdom that, that cannot be shaken, let me offer myself. Let me offer me. Let me offer my choices, my life, my decisions. For our God is a consuming fire. In other words, what he's saying is your life doesn't have to be unstable. It can actually be as solid as the rock, as solid as Christ. But it's going to depend on how much you give yourself to the Lord, how much you put your life in his hands, how much you give yourself to him. That's what it's going to depend on. How much am I willing to give of me? Well, that's just not me. That's the problem. You're more focused on who you've been instead of who you can become. See, when you start to realize that the real you is who God created you to be and the plans and the purposes that he has for your life instead of what the world has taught you that you are, then you'll start to realize that the world has kept me limited and God's trying to take the, cha take the chains off. If I'll give myself to him, he can reveal to me a plan that will blow my mind away. 
He'll, he'll, he'll reveal a prosperity and a health and a salvation that just goes beyond all, and the Bible says it like this, beyond all that you can ask or think. Another translation says beyond all you can even imagine. But most people never see that because what they do is they stand to the side of God but never enter into the, the purifying fire, our God is a consuming fire. You have to understand that. I'm, I'm making a choice. My, my capability is huge. Well, how God's made me to be is so high, but I'm making a choice every single day. Am I going to step into His presence and let His presence consume what's not Him? But the truth is, many times we have these little rooms inside of our heart and we're like, I want you can have all of that, but not this. My precious. <laughs> you can have all of that, but not my precious. Come on, Jesus is mine. That's the problem. And you're letting that little precious keep you out of riches eternal. Whew. Because if you come into the presence of God, he's a consuming fire. It's that easy. All we have to do is come into his presence and he'll start to consume those things. But here's what we do. Lord, I'll come to church. I'll come to church, but just don't make me forgive her. Lord, I'll come to church, you know, but just don't ask me to give. I'll come to church. I'll even tithe, but don't, not one penny more. I'm not giving an offering. And what are we doing? We're my precious. And that one thing is holding us back. You know, here's the thing. The power of God, the power of God. I mean, what, what temperature is it that, that water boils at? And they're scientific. It's different at different heights. <laughs> I knew you knew that. 212 degrees. We'll just be simple here. 212 degrees. Here, yeah. 212 degrees. Let me tell you something. 211 degrees, just hot water. But it doesn't produce any power. But 212 degrees, one degree more, produced a power that would drive locomotives and steam engines across the country. One degree more. So many times Christians are sitting there, hot water, so to speak, but got no power. Because they they'll hold on to my precious instead of taking my precious into the consuming fire of God. And they're missing out on the production value. The supernatural production value of God because of my precious. They're missing out on it. God says, look, if you just give me what I'm asking for, you, all of you, I'll release inside of you a capacity in the image and likeness of God. And when you speak, things will be done. And when you believe God, you'll see the supernatural. You'll see the people healed. Those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll raise up dead to life. They'll cast out demons with a word. Those that believe will see the power of God. They'll see the change break off of people. They'll bring a light into this world. They'll be the light. Don't take that light and hide it under a bushel. Oh, no. 
You know, don't, don't take that light and hide it. No, you're designed to take the light, bring it into the presence of God. Let it burn away everything that would, that would hold back that light and let it shine for all the world to see. Let the glory of God purify you. Purify you. Glory to God. But the world has raised up a fearful people. Fearful of how they'll look in front of other people. Sometimes my precious is our reputation. Now, I don't want people to see me like that. Sometimes it's a thing, it's a habit that we don't want. You know, I've, you, I've told you this story before, but you remember uh, I had a time where the Lord said, I don't want you to watch any, any media for the period of a year. And basically, what that meant to me was no movies. And I was like, oh no, not my movies. My precious. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to watch, watch a movie. Uh, we don't really watch that much TV, but we enjoyed in the downtime watching the movie. I want to watch movies. Lord said, I don't want you to watch it for a year. Here you go. Here's my precious. Here, here's, yeah. And man, life changed. He did things in that year I couldn't even foresee. Couldn't even foresee. The question is, do you have it or does it have you? Our God is a consuming fire. He's a purifying fire. There's so much that I want to show you. Turn to Luke 3, 16. Luke 3, 16. John the Baptist is speaking about Jesus. And he says this. He said, John answered and said to him, As for me, I baptize you with water. Now, you, we know that this word baptize means, it doesn't mean I sprinkle you with water. That word literally means to overwhelm. In other words, to get every portion of the body soaked. That's what that word means. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean just get wet. It means overwhelm. That's the word. If we wrote it in today's English, how it actually is meant, it means overwhelm you. So he says, I baptize you or I overwhelm you with water. But the one who is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals, he will baptize you. He will overwhelm you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. I I just like this picture, you know. Uh, I just I just like this picture. Let's just say uh, that this this is a a wick, right? And let's say that this this wick for a, a flame has been dirtied and grimy, and I mean it just had it was caked with dirt and gunk, right? Is is this thing going to burn well? No. You've got to get it clean first, right? You've got to get it clean. So in order to do that, then we would wash it with water. We would overwhelm it with water until that wick became clean and able to hold the oil of the Holy Ghost. And then we would overwhelm it with the oil of the Holy Ghost. And then we would overwhelm it with the fire of God, our consuming fire. So he baptizes us with water and then with oil. 
and then fire. And the reason for that is, is because of this. It's because we were never meant just to walk through our life and not have an effect on other people. And if I'm clean, you know, maybe I'm not giving off a bad stench anymore, right? Uh, and you might not be turned off by me, but I'm not, I'm not teaching you to be clean. And if I am baptized with oil, baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you're going to see the evidences of an anointed life. And you may even smell the fragrance of that oil, right? You may smell that fragrance of that oil. So if I'm baptized with water and I'm cleaned up, I don't stink anymore. If, I, if I'm baptized with oil, then you may smell that. You'll see the evidences only. It'll give you that. And if I rub up against you, you may get some of that anointing and the power of God on you. But if I'm baptized with water and I'm baptized with the oil of the Holy Ghost and then I'm baptized with fire, then you are going to Feel the effects of it. And if I come up to you, you're not just going to feel the power. You're going to get caught yourself. This is evangelism that God wants us to be walking. He wants us to come into his consuming fire. Not because he just wants to burn up what's sin in your life. But another reason is he wants you to be catching. People will come to see the light that's burning inside of you. And that's not designed just to be on a pastor. It's designed to be in every believer. Those that believe will lay hands on the sick. They will catch the fire of God. It's a reason why people say, look, I want to be around that person. Fire causes people to make a decision. And when they see you walking in the anointing and the freedom of the Holy Ghost, and they see you walking in the fire of God, all of a sudden it brings them to a decision point. It says, look, I either got to start getting serious about this thing or I got to go the other way, but I can't stand here in the middle. I've got to make a decision. And I, if I become a carrier of the fire, I can now start to catch other people. We need the fire of God in our lives. But we got to understand that when we do that, we're giving up my precious, that sin that so e easily besets us, that so easily entangles us and weighs us down from running the race. When I come into the consuming fire of God, it's going to purify me. It's going to burn that stuff up. But I need to because to fulfill what God has called me to do. I can't sit back and make excuses for it. No, this is God's plan. He's wanting to clean us. To dip us in the oil of the Holy Ghost and set us ablaze with his consuming fire. Because if we start carrying the consuming fire into our world, other people will start to see the fire in themselves. We've got to carry that fire. I'm asking you right now, if you're wanting the fire of God in your life this morning... I want you just to come forward. Lord, I need something to change. I need to step out of this. I need to step into the place where the fire of God consumes me. I need to step into the place where I'm not just making excuses anymore. I need the fire of God in my life. I need change. Realize, remember, that if you receive that fire of God, you can play some music back there. If you receive that fire of God, you start to realize that when I receive that fire of God, it starts to burn out every area that's been causing me lack. Every sickness under the fire and the consuming fire of God, sickness melts away. Lack goes. Under the fire of God, I become the witness that I'm called to be in the fire of God. Look, I give up the things that my flesh wants, but God never... 
ask us for something without it being an opportunity. In other words, God says this. Look, you, I'm asking you for this, but I'm going to replace it with something that's even better. That's always the way it works with God because his character and his nature de depend. It just makes it that way. It's, it's, it's got to be. He's so good. It's always a cause for opportunity when God asks you for something. Lord, we want the fire of God. We want the fire of God in our lives. Just say it with me. Just say, say, Father, right now, I want the fire of God. Overflow me with your oil and light me up. I won't hold on to my precious anymore. <laughs> I'm letting go. That thing won't be a ring in my nose anymore. Oh, yeah, fire of God. And when I pray for you, you need to know that the fire of God is going to touch you. It's going to start to change. It's going to start to consume. But what it, what it replaces itself with is the presence of God. Those areas that will be consumed in corruption and sin will be replaced with the presence of an almighty God and His power to walk in. His power to be who you've been called to be. His power. Fire of God, visit your people. Visit your people. Visit your people in Jesus' name. Fire of God, visit your people in the name of Jesus. Just know, when the Lord tells me to release that fire to you, that it's going to do its job. Lord, we receive your fire today. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Hi, oh, oh, 